0: Wrestling fans, give us the green light because we're ready to go. It's time, it's time, it's Wrestlemania time and this episode is dedicated to everything from kickoff to main event. This is WrestleRant Radio. I'm Tommy Sharp alongside Graham GSM Matthews bringing you the front-to-end WWE coverage that you deserve. Visit online at NextEraWrestling.net. Graham, it seems like this week, this week alone, WWE management has thrown the entire WrestleMania card into overdrive. With full match lineups being confirmed and new stipulations added to existing matches, this Sunday is shaping up to be one hell of an event. As always, we here at WrestleRant Radio are dedicated to bringing you the coverage that you deserve and this is a, is another entry in our WrestleMania series that we have been tracking for weeks now, if not months, if not all year long since the brand split. So much is going into this WrestleMania. So much has concluded in the last two weeks even alone. Graham, what match at this point are you looking forward to the most?
1: Quite a few matches, to be quite honest with you. I do not get the hype surrounding from from, from some fans regarding the match card being disappointing or underwhelming. I look at this card right now in front of me, and I see a lot of potential show-stealers. I'll give you one from the kickoff and one from the main card. I'm looking at from the kickoff right now for the Cruiserweight Championship, Neville and Austin Aries. From the main card, surprisingly enough, the match that was just added this past Monday, non-sanctioned match between Triple H and Seth Rollins, a feud that goes back years. So, I mean, again, this entire card has plenty of potential, but those are the two matches I'm looking forward to the most. And that that...
0: Those, are, those matches are undeniably hot streak matches going into this. Uh, a lot of actual uh, story and uh, uh, personal rivalry behind a lot of these matches. Antagonistic relationships here. Something that we've been talking about all year long here at WrestleRant Radio. We've been talking about the deterioration deterioration of respect in the WWE. From management side, certainly look at Triple H and the way that he addresses his power and control over the entire WWE roster. To Austin Aries. Stepping into the face of the king of the cruiserweights, Neville, the current uh, the current cruiserweight champion here, and uh, uh, everything that. Austin Aries brings to this match has been nothing short of disrespecting Neville at every turn, which I can't say that Neville doesn't warrant these days anyway. So I'm going to have to agree with you. Uh, The matches that I'm most excited for are going to be the cruiserweight match, which is uh, now a kickoff match. Still consider it part of the entire WrestleMania card because there's just so many ways that they want to brand it. But for me, once wrestling starts, that is the start of the show. So I would actually hope to see this truly kick off. All of WrestleMania, I think that there's no better way to start WrestleMania than with a match that could potentially steal the show right from the get-go, and Neville versus Austin Aries certainly has that kind of flair. Let's start there. Let's dig in. When when did Austin Aries start to form or uh, become part of this picture for WrestleMania?
1: Austin Aries, well, first came back to NXT, first debuted in NXT about a year ago, but it really wasn't until just this past December when he arrived on the main roster as a color commentator, as an analyst for the Cruiserweight division on Monday Night Raw. But really only it was the night after Fastlane. It really wasn't until then that he got in the face of the king of their Cruiserweights and proclaimed himself the next threat to that title. And he isn't wrong. Austin Aries has been knocking off Tony Nese, Drew Gulak, R.A. Daivari, and as recently as Monday, Noem Dar. And Neville is next on that list. And if he can beat him on Sunday, he wins and he picks up his first taste of WWE title gold. And that would be a
0: huge redemption story for Austin Aries, who left this year a good portion of this year due to injury, an eye injury, that saw him sit at the commentary table. And we have discussed this uh, numerous times here on the program, but we believe that that perspective is exactly what gives him the advantage in this match over Neville. I don't think I mean Austin Aries is, is certainly always been a cocky and confrontational person, but he's got a lot of, you know, a lot a lot to back that up. What he's been doing with Neville, the reason why I believe he is so assured in his approach to this match, no matter where it falls on the card, I think he is confident he's walking out as champion. Because Neville, Neville has been had had blinders on ever since he became more of a self-centered. You know, uh, soul focused kind of champion in in the WWE, uh, a huge diversion, a uh, change from where he was a year ago. You know, and and Neville's gone through his own share of injury, so in a lot of ways, Neville has been um, uh, antagonizing the crowd, uh, really blaming a lot of their lack of support for his own direction to to become a more self absorbed champion. Whereas Austin Aries, for as self absorbed as he might come across on paper, has become more of a people's champion. And it would be great to see that purple belt around his waist on his shoulder Uh, I think it would give a lot of credibility to Austin Aries already impressive resume and really solidify him as as much of a threat to any of the cruiserweights as Neville is right now do you think that anyone else deserved to be in this spot for this match and if not who who would be next in line for a number one contender
1: I wouldn't say so. I mean, you look up and down the Cruiserweight division right now, the Cruiserweight roster, and there's a lot of talented names, don't get me wrong. You have the Cedric, you have Cedric Alexanders, you got your, um, you know, your, your your Lince Dorados, your TJ Perkins, so on and so forth. But currently, none of those guys hold a candle to Neville, the king of the Cruiserweights. He has proved that time and time again. Since coming back to Monday Night Raw three or four months ago, Neville's been undefeated. He has yet to suffer a loss in singles competition since becoming the Cruiserweight champion. Austin Aries is by far the biggest threat he has faced to date and might ever face in the cruiseweight division. There really is, in my opinion, no one else that is as worthy or is as established as Austin Aries right now. No,
0: and certainly no more focused. You could look at someone like the Brian Kendrick, and uh, he is more focused on maintaining his minor power struggles than he is at moving up to being a sol- solid champion. So when... It comes down to it, who do you have winning this match at the end of the day? Who's walking out of WrestleMania 33, the new or current WWE Cruiserweight Champion?
1: What I love about this match, and a lot of matches on this card, they could very well go either way. you got a lot of hungry competitors on Sunday really wanting to walk out the winner. With this match specifically, first of all, putting them on the cruiserweight uh, on the kickoff show rather is only going to motivate them more to steal the show and go out there and have an amazing match. So, I expect that. Bottom line though, Austin Aries. I gotta go. I don't think Neville is really expecting the greatness that Austin Aries brings to the table. Their first ever one on one premier singles encounter in WWE, let alone in the world of wrestling. I think Austin Aries gets it done and picks up the cruiserweight championship.
0: I'm going to I'm going to agree with that. I'm going to say uh, Austin Aries is going to have a hell of a fight uh, on his hands, and I think it's going to come down to all of the strategic tips he picked up on the commentary table. That's going to get him that final win because it's going to come down to one one move, one moment that is going to define how Austin Aries ascends to champion. And if he is focused enough and has identified that weak point in Neville, he will be successful. If not, Neville has every advantage in this match. So I'm going to go with Austin Aries. That is that is a firm uh, a bout of support there. But uh, moving down the line in the uh, kickoff uh, area of the card here, the 2017 Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal. Uh, something that has become a uh, recent addition to the WrestleMania traditional setup for matches that they have um, so far a number of superstars have been confirmed um, uh, I'm just going to go down the list here and just talk about the participants in this we'll see maybe highlight a couple stories as to who got there and why they want to be there Sami Zayn Braun Strowman Goldust R-Truth Curtis Axel Dolph Ziggler Jay Uso Jimmy Uso Chad Gable Jason Jordan, Primo, Epico, Bo Dallas, Jinder Mahal, Rhino, Heath Slater, Apollo Crews, Mojo Raleigh, Big Show, Kurt Hawkins, Tyler Breeze, and Fandango. I can't can't say that that isn't a totally stacked battle royal, uh, certainly worthy of the, uh, uh, the memory and legend of Andre the Giant, but who stands to really gain something and who wants this trophy the most and why?
1: I think we heard from him on Monday night in terms of how much this means to him. Braun Strowman. I mean, this is a guy who is hell-bent on revenge right now, coming off those various losses to Roman Reigns. He has to prove himself up until this past Monday. He didn't have a WrestleMania match. But at the same time, the other guy who qualified for the Battle Royal on Monday night, Sami Zayn. He stands a lot to benefit and gain from this matchup. Coming off of losses to Samoa Joe, Kevin Owens, Braun Strowman. He can prove all those naysayers wrong by winning this match on Sunday. That's a great point. I I, I want to
0: say that uh, because of what has happened in the last week, especially with Sami Zayn and Braun Strowman in the last two weeks or so, they have really not only wanted to participate in WrestleMania in a meaningful way, but also really both of those contenders need to make a statement about what they're doing. That's not to be said that no one else on this list has no other reason to be part of this match, but certainly... They have enough heart in it that this is not about, you know, uh, winning something for the resume. This is like I, I want to conquer something and be able to prove that the, for Sami Zayn, the next time some you know big monster destroyer comes my way, I have the full knowledge that I can beat a whole ring of monsters and things like that. So Sami Zayn and Braun Strowman certainly have bad blood between them, and that certainly plays into these types of battle royal scenarios also, a lot of tag teams um, uh, thrown into this. It'll be interesting to see what kind of favorites and, and, and team-ups start uh, forming in this. I mean, the Golden Truth are part of this. Um, the Usos are part of this
1: match. The SmackDown Tag Team Champions.
0: The, I mean, the SmackDown Tag Team Champions are part of this match. The former SmackDown Tag Team Champions, uh, uh, Jason Jordan and Chad Gable, are going to be part of this. American Alpha. uh, the shining stars are part of this match. Fondango uh, and Tyler Breeze. Fondango and Tyler Breeze. Uh, you have, uh, uh, well, you have uh, Heath Slater and Rhino, mm-hmm. of course. And then a very kind of eclectic mix of some singles competitors. Uh, uh, Jinder Mahal has joined this match. Uh, and uh, you have Bo Dallas in there as well. And the much talked about uh, presence of Mojo Raleigh. What do you make of Mojo's uh, intentions and motivations? He was an early declaration to be part of this match. Um, Do you think Mojo has a shot at taking the whole thing home?
1: Quite honestly, I do. I mean, we talked about him a couple months back in our uh, preview for the Royal Rumble match. Then he said it this past Tuesday on SmackDown Live, maybe afterwards on a WWE.com exclusive video, but he has won two Battle Royals in the past couple months on SmackDown Live alongside the Hype Bros and a Battle Royal on SmackDown Live to earn a spot in the Royal Rumble match itself. And this is his first WrestleMania. He wants to go out there and prove himself and walk away with a victory and really, you know, cement his legacy and further, you know, his momentum on the SmackDown brand. Absolutely. So who do you think are the final three
0: left standing in the ring?
1: that's tough. Again, out of these 30 people and uh, breaking news to Tian Bing, I, I, I might be botching the pronounce pronunciation of that name has joined the battle Royal from NXT. So he's another um, interesting addition to this matchup. I, you got to go Braun Strowman. I got to go Braun Strowman. I'll say big show too. He's been really on a tear since coming back as someone, I think that's kind of flown under the radar in terms of potential winners. He's a former Andre the giant Memorial battle Royal winner. The only man in this match that has won it before I'll say Strowman big show and, and then the X-Factor of Sami Zayn, someone who's an underdog, who has survived the Battle Royals before. So I'll go Strowman, show, and Sami Zayn.
0: Interesting. I I, I can't disagree, but I have a slightly different vision of how that's going to go down. I believe Big Show's going to be involved in at least the final five. All right, But everybody knows that a big man is the hardest person to get over that top rope. So I feel like Big Show's got a bigger target than maybe necessarily Braun Strowman. Mm. I could even see Strowman... Uh, forming an unlikely alliance with someone just to get Big Show over the top rope because that's what it's going to take at the end of the day. Would it be amazing to see a showdown between Braun Strowman and the Big Show at WrestleMania? One-on-one, I would have loved to see it. But (laughs) I think for me, the final three, just an impression of all of the the little pieces that uh, we've seen over the past couple of weeks, I think it's going to come down to Braun Strowman, Sami Zayn, and Mojo Rawley. And I think that uh, Braun Strowman is definitely going to uh, feel a little bit more vindictive, have a little bit more focus on Sami Zayn. They see each other a little bit more frequently than they see someone like Mojo Rawley. And I think that that's going to give Mojo Rawley that extra advantage that Braun Strowman going to be focused on someone that annoys him like Sami Zayn and not really pay attention to how hyped Braun, <laughs> how hyped Mojo Rawley is going to be to get his hands on that trophy. And I think he really has uh, the potential to want this more than anybody. He's got nothing to lose, everything to gain. Sami Zayn's going to go out there and fight with all his heart. He fought to get in this match, as we saw this week, past week on on Raw, where Stephanie unnecessarily made him jump through hoop after hoop just to join a match at WrestleMania, but... Uh that's, that's kind of how I see things going down. Um, I'm going to go out on a way big limb here, and I'm going to say that Mojo Raleigh walks out of WrestleMania with
1: the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal Trophy. That's a bold prediction. Bold. But at, the, at, at the same time, though, but it's a bold, good prediction. It's not like you're saying, oh, Aiden English is going to walk out the victor. You know what I mean? Like, it's someone who has a legitimate shot, and I forgot to mention this too. Also, he, Braun
0: Strowman's a loser.
1: He's a loser. He's a total loser. <laughs> I, don't, I mean, yeah, I think that's Mojo documented. Raleigh's, yeah, he's. I think Mojo Raleigh may have won more Matches in recent memory than Braun Strowman. He also wants to do this for his fallen brother Zack Ryder. So Absolutely. doing this in memory of him as well, I think, would be great.
0: Yeah, and Zack Ryder uh, had a huge WrestleMania moment himself, Just a year again. and yeah. and and then that moment was cut short. And I think that Mojo Raleigh has, from that moment, from that exact moment, has been on a path towards this reclamation of his own design and I think that that's why Mojo being an early entrant being an early declaration showing up on talking smack to talk about this exclusively shows that he has been laser focused on this probably longer than anyone else involved in this match Mm -hmm. not sure if that's going to be everything that it takes to win here over someone like Braun Strowman but hey he's afraid of the undertaker he's a total loser it's going to be pretty easy to figure out so there is only one other kickoff match for WrestleMania 33 I don't know if I agree with it being on uh, uh, on the kickoff. Uh, I think it's a uh, something that's a degree of h- higher worth uh, on the card, but it's going to be a fantastic match no matter where it is. All of these matches are great. Like we were talking about, who cares about kickoff? As soon as you start wrestling, the better. Um, the SmackDown Women's Championship will be def- will be on display with champion Alexa Bliss defending against all female SmackDown Live superstars, including the return of Naomi this past Tuesday on SmackDown Live. What a huge moment. Looked like she hadn't lost a single bit of strength in her knees whatsoever. She looks fired up, ready to go. Do you think that she is the easy shoe in to win this match? Or have we seen something Totally different from Mickey James, even Becky Lynch in the past, you know, two weeks.
1: I mean, everyone has an equal shot by and large of, of winning this match and becoming champion. Naomi, I think has the extra motivation. She probably has a better and more prominent story than anyone else, considering a few different factors. A, it's her hometown of Orlando. B, it's um, you know, it, it's in her hometown, and considering the fact she never lost the championship to begin with, and she wants to get back to gold, she never really technically was beaten for. And I think this might be not a WrestleMania debut, but there's just a lot of things going for Naomi right now. I think she's the pick to win currently.
0: Six contenders will be competing Naomi, Carmella, Becky Lynch, Natalia, Mickie James, and the champion Alexa Bliss. I think obviously we've talked about this last week uh, in more in depth than we will now, but Alexa Bliss has everything to lose here. Um, uh Seeing so many multi-person matches for a title at WrestleMania, I mean, it certainly does not give any favor to the champion whatsoever, you know, and maybe that's a good thing for someone like Alexa Bliss, who could potentially disappoint fans by just walking out of the ring and saying, you know what, I'm going to hang on to my belt. Thanks, WrestleMania. You'd be nice. I'll see you later. That can't happen here. She can certainly walk out and walk back to the uh, backstage area, but she's going to lose her title. So does that take a big weapon away from Alexa Bliss in this match?
1: I would say so. I mean, she doesn't have to be pinned to lose that championship. I think that needs to be stressed here. I know the other women's match for Raw is elimination style. This match is not. You can have Naomi pinning Carmella. You can have Mickey James pinning Becky Lynch, and she does not have to be beaten to lose that championship. And not only five other women are going for the gold here, it's five resilient, hungry competitors. Mickey James won her first women's championship on the exact day of April 2nd, 2006, 11 years ago. She is looking to win that gold back. Everyone here has a different story. That's what I'm looking forward and to. And I
0: believe everyone here has had some type of, of women's championship on their shoulder except for Carmella.
1: Yep, yep, absolutely.
0: So, so that certainly puts a lot on her shoulders and gives her a, a spark and a fire. Do you believe, though, that James Ellsworth will play any hand
1: in this match? I do. Um, I know Daniel Bryan brought this up on Talking Smack on Tuesday, but Carmella is the X factor. She might be the least likely to walk out as champion just because, as you said, she has never held gold in NXT, SmackDown, whatever. But she has James Ellsworth. She has that interference factor if she needs it. So I'm not saying she's going to win, but she has a better chance than most think she does.
0: Now, when it comes to Becky Lynch, um, she being as uh, head-to-head of a competitor as I see Naomi being for uh, winning this match, but I do see in recent weeks her involvement and her distraction with Mickey James has become kind of a professional uh, you know, back-and-forth between the two of them. I think... Mickey James rec- recognizes a lot of her skill set in Becky Lynch, and a lot of uh, the fierce kind of competitor that Becky is continues to push and challenge what Mickey James does exceptionally well, which is, you know, very technical and very thoughtful move sets. So between the two of them, I feel like they have just as much, of a chance at distracting each other as, say, Braun Strowman and Sami Zayn do in the Andre uh, Battle Royal. Mm. So I think that, unfortunately, because of this new development in that kind of uh, bitter competition between the two of them, I think it does suggest that neither Mickey James or Becky Lynch are going to walk out of there as a champion. I also think that Natalia is a total snake in the grass in all of this, much like Carmella is, and could sneakily... Win this thing by just kind of being observant and waiting for the right time to strike. She's got more experience, a heart dungeon on her resume, and clearly has grown up in this business enough to know better than most anyone on this card right now for this match. Still, the X factor of Naomi coming back completely fresh, so rested, not involved in any of this extra drama that's been happening in the last two weeks. Graham, I think you're right. We're gonna I, I'm gonna I'm gonna side with Naomi on this. It's her hometown in Orlando. Who's gonna be more fired up than Naomi?
1: Both literally and figuratively, I think more than the match itself, like I said, I'm excited for the match, but I might be more excited for Naomi's entrance in her hometown. The lighting up the stage, and that's a reason why you should not miss the kickoff show on Sunday. That entrance alone should be must say. Now
0: that 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 encapsulates all three of the kickoff matches that are happening right now. Um In every match, some form of gold championship or otherwise prestigious material is on the line. But this is WrestleMania. Performance is everything. With the WWE Network being free now almost every month, you can relive these moments always. And that's a huge difference from how I grew up and interacted with wrestling. So beyond whomever wins these matches, it's going to come down to those moments. And I think that with these three kickoff shows being the front end of this WrestleMania, they certainly have the potential to stand out the most because there's a lot of matches on this card. And by the time we get to some of the later matches, it's going to be a little exhausting and it's going to be up to every single last WWE superstar to continue digging deep to make their match the most unique and interesting match of that night. And I think that everyone has that potential. Um, But, Let's talk about the potential that we're going to see as Baron Corbin takes on the Intercontinental Champion, Dean Ambrose. What's Baron Corbin's potential to become the new Intercontinental Champion here?
1: He's got a pretty good chance. I mean, Dean Ambrose has been really kind of floundering, I guess, for lack of a better term, in recent months. He really does not have any sense of direction um, whereas Baron Corbin, he's focused, he's determined. If anything, winning that championship, his first taste of gold, as we said with Carmella, he has never held gold in either WWE or NXT. He won the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal last year at WrestleMania. So on that one-year anniversary of his WWE debut, walking out as the new Intercontinental Champion to me would be has to be his main motivation. He's hurt Ambrose before. Ambrose is walking into this match on Sunday. A bit injured, so I think the ball is in Baron Corbin's uh, court in this match.
0: Well, and speaking of those recent injuries, we've seen Baron Corbin drop a forklift on Dean Ambrose. We've seen him attack him backstage numerous times in the chamber as well, and in the chamber as well. Does this suggest that Baron Corbin is exceptionally worried about his chances of fighting Dean Ambrose at a match at a level like this? There's no extra stipulations when you're out. You know, there's no uh, there's countout rules are in effect, uh, interferences in effect, foreign objects are in effect. All of those things will get you disqualified. Qualified right away this is a championship match is baron corbin dean ambrose for all of his uh you know wacky hardcore antics and everything like that and then certainly he could he's the wwe's punching bag but he's also a very good technical wrestler at the end of the day and he can get the job done he's a former champion of all kinds do you think that baron corbin is afraid that he can't out wrestle dean ambrose
1: If he's not afraid, he should be. I mean, I think at this point, going into the show on Sunday, he is underestimating his opponent. I mean, Baron Corbin, don't get me wrong, not to kind of slight the the run that he's been on over the past year. He's had a great first debut year in WWE, but I think he might be underestimating Dean Ambrose just because he's he's only really taking on guys like Jack Swagger, Kalisto. Dolph Ziggler, Dean Ambrose is a former WWE champion, a former Money in the Bank winner in his own right, having held that championship on two different occasions. Baron Corbin should be worried about Dean Ambrose going into this matchup,
0: and he's definitely someone that can take a beating. And usually, that's what gets Baron Corbin over. Is he? You know, he's got a few really good hip checks, knees to the face. You know, he's got that huge tomahawk, like over the head kind of smash. Dean Ambrose is pretty quick, and even when he gets hit he bounces right back at you. So, I I, I feel like thankfully we're going to see less of Dean Ambrose going high risk in this match. Um I think, you know, he'll definitely throw caution in the wind a, a couple of times here when it matters the most, but the the more Dean Ambrose keeps his feet on the ground, the more secure his Intercontinental Championship is going to remain. The only times where Baron Corbin is deadly and devastating is when he can see a mistake that you've made. And he will exploit it immediately, and that will usually lead to his opponents going down one, two, three. So, does Baron Corbin have an advantage? No. But does he have an opportunity and the skill set to really come in and become the new Intercontinental Champion? I absolutely believe so. Graham, who wins this match?
1: Again, could very well go either way. Gotta go with the Lone Wolf, though. As I said, I think winning that championship on the one-year anniversary of when he initially arrived on the scene in WWE just really writes itself, and I think Ambrose might be more motivated in chase mode, chasing the Intercontinental Championship in Baron Corbin. So, Ambrose, not to underestimate him, he's got a good chance of walking out here still the champion, but I think Baron Corbin takes it.
0: I, I'm going to agree with you in, in a slightly different uh, vein. I think that Baron Corbin is going to win this Intercontinental Championship match because Dean Ambrose... This is going to be a little bit difficult to say. I'll back it up as best I can. I don't think Dean Ambrose cares about the Intercontinental Championship. I think he's a great Intercontinental Champion. He's certainly beaten the right people to earn a belt on his shoulder, right? But I don't think it was ever his intention to have a belt on his shoulder. I think he walks down to the ring to fight the person in the ring. If he loses, that's fine. He still fought somebody and hit him hard and beat him up, and he was still part of that. If he made a mistake, there's no sweat off of Dean Ambrose's shoulders. I think if this belt goes off of his shoulders, it's not like he's going to be chasing the Intercontinental Championship. He's going to be chasing Baron Corbin. That's a huge difference. So I don't know if Dean Ambrose really cares one way or the other about the belt on his shoulder so much as smacking the taste out of Baron Corbin's mouth. So, unfortunately, I I think that that gives Baron Corbin the edge to find that one mistake Dean Ambrose is going to make, exploit it for the win, and become the new Intercontinental Champion. But that's not... Not even close to the the end of the championship matches that we will see at WrestleMania 33 this Sunday on the WWE Network. We've uh, the kickoff uh, for the pre-show starts at five o'clock. That is correct. It's going to be like airing on 19 hours, well,
1: yeah, (laughs) wrestling. (laughs) Wrestling. Yeah. <laughs> ultimate throw right. Let's go.
0: It's the ultimate Thrill ride. All right, look, you know, I was, I was going to save this as a, as a footnote for the uh, the closing of the show because I, I believe that's as much time as it should be uh, allotted. But let's talk about the New Day real quick. Uh, let's talk about their involvement in this. And let's talk about the pictures that uh, we've been seeing of the WrestleMania 33 staging in Florida showcasing one of the largest entrance ramps of all time. It is certainly... Uh, going to be interesting to see how they approach using this ramp, but here's my theory: it's the ultimate thrill ride. It's WrestleMania. It's the New Day. They love having fun. We all like a good time. And what does what what's fun and a good time? A good old Florida roller coaster. And I think the New Day are going to come down that giant ramp in some kind of giant roller coaster car or of some crazy unicorn design. And that is going to kick off WrestleMania in some ridiculous fashion. <laughs> that, I'll, I'll put money on that.
1: I love that so much. It's so over the top. It's so ridiculous. I actually love it. Yeah. And that's that's what makes the New Day so great. So I agree. I hope to see that on Sunday. I,
0: and I, I truly hope that that was their ridiculous idea, and somehow <laughs> someone greenlit it, and they were just like, "Wow, I can't believe they they're even paying attention to us." Yeah, so that that would be uh, what that was my first thought um, as far as the New Day's involvement. Um, they're not particularly involved. Being host of WrestleMania, I think, is an unfortunate state of affairs to say that they were the longest reigning WWE tag team champions in company history. And since their loss, they have competed in singles competition, you know, maybe a mixed match here or there, but not really focused on tag team wrestling anymore. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what the New Day does beyond WrestleMania. And we'll be diving into all of that next week. So we'll just keep <laughs> thoughts on that to the side. But that's why there's not a whole lot to say about the New Day right now. I hope they have a good time. It seems like they have probably the easiest role of the night. Which is just going out there and being themselves. So, get. <laughs> but uh, an- another person that's going to go out there and just be himself. Is going to be former Universal Champion Kevin Owens. Taking on the Lionheart Chris Jericho. For the United States Championship, Y2J, I say Lionheart Chris Jericho because when he is in the favor of the crowd, he is so well revered and embraced by everybody that it. I see that that original WCW smile in his in his smirk and everything like that, and you just see that true competitor that loves professional wrestling, not the person that has lists that has scarves and colorful, you know, light, bright jackets and all this stuff. You see the performer, you see the Lionheart, Chris Jericho, in that ring battling somebody that he aligned himself with, somebody he supported, Kevin Owens. This is going to be uh, a really fantastic uh, match for the two of them, although I was hoping to see it for the uh, Universal title. Uh, Any qualms that this is over the United States Championship that has hardly been defended in the last 30 days
1: I gotta agree, I mean, I do love the prospect of the matchup it should have been over the Universal Championship Kevin Owens just could not get the job done at Fastlane, but not because of himself, but because of Chris Jericho so, it does further the bad blood in this feud, I get that, and over the United States Championship, a title that has been kind of overlooked in recent months, at the same time, and, and the thing too here is that the championship has really been kind of an afterthought in this feud? Really, the bad blood between Owens and Jericho has been has been the drawing point of this program between the two. That being said, these two going out there and having a great match can really bring new eyes and importance to that forgotten U.S. title.
0: Well, and I think that that's just it: is that Kevin Owens, um, he's a prize fighter. He, he's as as interested as he is and as frustrated as he is uh, with Chris Jericho right now. The thing he's even more interested in and the reason why he agreed to the match in the first place is to take the title off of Chris Jericho's waist. So, knowing that that's Kevin Owens' sole focus really it's to just can do whatever he needs to do to to get Chris and he knows Chris Jericho very well at this point. He's been so close in proximity to him for, you know, almost the whole year that At this point, Chris Jericho has more to to worry about Kevin Owens because he's just going to be coming after that title. It's going to be, you know, pinfall after pinfall until Kevin Owens gets his way. And and he's kind of like an alligator in that sense where he's just going to keep rolling you until you give up, until you you, you are completely beaten. And I think that Chris Jericho, being the technician that he is, has not necessarily been involved in a brawler match in in a little while. You know, and that's, you know, definitely one of those barrel rolls to the stomach, right to the face in the corner post is going to be pretty devastating to Chris Jericho. Um, Who do you think has the advantage right now going into this?
1: Well, both guys know each other so well that it's hard to say one guy has an edge over the other. Um, But I think you have to go with Kevin Owens. I mean, like you said, he's the real prize fighter here. Jericho is want that vengeance. He is driven by that that vengeance right now against his former friend But at the same time like you said Owens has his eyes on the prize and he's not gonna let that vengeance blind his real vision of becoming the next US champion. So I think Kevin Owens has got the slight edge here and he walks out the winner. I agree. I'm
0: going to agree with you. I think that Kevin Owens wants the title more. And that's the same thing we were just talking about with Dean Ambrose and Baron Corbin. You know, I don't think that Dean Ambrose is concerned one way or the other whether he walks out a champion or not. I think he's going to have fun and at the end of the day he's going to punch Baron Corbin in the face a whole lot. The same is going to be true with this. I think that Chris Jericho is more interested in hurting Kevin Owens because he feels slighted by Kevin Owens in a, a number of ways. And I think that Kevin Owens, unfortunately, at the end of the day, just thinks that's petty and doesn't care. I think he's like, nah, man, I just want that title. It's neat that you thought the festival of friendship was even a thing, even though you came up with it. But time and time again, every time Chris Jericho – wanted to do something zany uh, as a Jericho-holic would, uh, you know, he wants to do, Um, Kevin Owens always rolled his eyes. Kevin Owens was always reluctant to really participate and really have fun and and play into that Y2J kind of game. And now I think Chris Jericho is just going out there thinking that his just background is going to put him over in this match. And I think Kevin Owens is going to walk out with the U.S. title. And I think, like you said, that's going to bring a new look to that title. And Kevin Owens is certainly still owed a Universal Championship match, so we might see a Seth Rollins scenario where he is both Universal Champion and U.S. Champion at the same time, but... Kevin Owens has kind of a time management, you know, project management issue. So we'll see how that goes for him. But, you know, let's let's take a look at some of uh, we have a number of matches still yet to discuss, but not all of them are for gold. Some of them are for bragging rights. Some of them are to uh, settle a score. And I think that uh, especially in the last two weeks on SmackDown Live, uh, the biggest score to settle is between the Miz and Maurice and John Cena and Nikki Bella. Um, the Miz and Maurice are just uh, as antagonistically uh, spiteful and just mean spirited in, in every sense of the word. Uh, Towards John Cena and Nikki Bella, you know, I think they look at them as somehow more privileged than their already privileged A-lister existence is, and it's a very bizarre juxtaposition to see, you know, someone that presents himself as an A-lister with, you know, a model for a wife and all of these uh, other tacky and very just, uh, you know, elitist kind of uh, qualities attack John Cena and Nikki Bella, who may live in a big house, but certainly just kind of work hard and 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 go about being professional. Athletes at every level. John Cena and Nikki Bella are physical specimens that can literally powerhouse through half the roster without looking. The Miz and Maurice might be dastardly as a duo, but I just, I it's it's hard for me to believe that the Miz and Maurice are going to come out with a win in this match. I really feel like John Cena and Nikki Bella are going to beat the tar out of them. But that's not to say that John Cena and Nikki Bella aren't at fault. For continuing this back and forth. Certainly the Miz and Maryse have been so direct, vicious, nasty towards them. Total bullshit that they, they, they put out there doing fake John Cena and uh, fake uh, Nikki Bella. But uh, John Cena came out this past Tuesday after the Miz uh, addressed him directly at the end of one of their fun vignettes. And John Cena went into full bully mode. Like full on insulting you as a person, as a man... Meanwhile, he's he's out there saying that you know women's wrestling should be respected and the women are as good, if not better, than any man on this roster. And to even have to say that suggests that there, there's still a long way to go in just looking at the women superstars as just superstars and not women superstars. But then he goes on further, just moments later, to call The Miz a very derogatory name that it references a female body part. So I firmly do not, and, and you know, and all sorts of other John Cena pacing around, bulldog over macho, masculine messages. I just don't see John Cena being a nice person in this match either. I think that both teams are made made to to beat each other up because honestly, no one looks clean in all of this. Nikki Bella kind of comes off the most of a victim of all of this focus, but certainly she uh, having few words to say wants to be crass and make you know that she's going to hurt you. You know, is this is this the best kind of way or example for John Cena and Nikki Bella, the Nickelodeon Kids' Choice Awards presenters? Is that the kind of people they are when they're pushed and bullied? They they turn up the bully levels to 11? Is that the kind of thing that we should expect out of them? And when they beat the Miz and Maurice, does that not just prove that when – They want to be tough and they want to edge you out and use all their bulldog authority that that's all they're going to do. And what kind of message does that send? That's just my personal take on it all. But Graham, who do you think was walking out the winner of this match? What does it mean? And where is this resolved at this at this match at WrestleMania?
1: I mean, as you said, is, has it not been the goal the entire time for Maurice and Miz to expose Cena and Nikki for these people that they claim to be? Are they really this way in real life? You know, when the cameras are off outside of the ring, we'll find out on Sunday, apparently. And we've kind of seen the true colors of both Cena and Nikki in recent in recent weeks on SmackDown Live. So it's really an interesting thing to look at. These, you know, they're, they're acting one way on SmackDown, they're acting another way on the Nickelodeon Choice Kids War, or whatever, uh, from a couple weeks ago. So it's an interesting dynamic there, but. I gotta say, bottom line, this real this match here has really gone far and beyond what I expected it to be. When we first heard, when we heard, first heard the inklings of this match happening a couple months back, I think it's gonna be great. But I gotta agree with you, Tommy, that there really is no doubt in my mind that even if Maurice and Miz have been playing this, you know, mind games with John Cena and Nikki trying to bring out the rage in them, and that gets them disqualified, and then Maurice and Miz win, whatever. I still think at the end of the day, Cena and Nikki emerge victorious.
0: Absolutely. And you just mentioned the rage. And no, uh, ladies and gentlemen, Alex Riley will not be (laughs) at WrestleMania 33. He will be raging out somewhere else in Orlando. I'm certain (laughs) of it. Uh, But let's talk a little bit about rage. Um, There is a fatal four-way match, a newly formed fatal four-way match for the Raw Women's Championship. Uh, Currently, Current champion, Bayley, uh, uh, maybe a... uh, it exhausted uh, Bailey at best going into this uh, is going to be defending her title against Charlotte Flair, Sasha Banks, and Nia Jax. Now, this is the match that has an extra stipulation added to it of recent, and I believe it is now a ladder match. Is that correct? For the women's match? Yes. That is not correct. The Which ta- match is that tag team title? Tag team title. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I missed one. Yes, you're right. Yes, the tag team title is now an, uh, a ladder match. I don't know why. I thought that would make make this a little bit make this <laughs> make a little more sense. But the fact that four women, much like the SmackDown uh, six women match, is uh, definitely puts the championship champion at a disadvantage. And I was, I guess, uh, selfishly hoping that it was a ladder match that might give Bailey a little bit more of an edge in this match since he is a- out of the four competitors, probably the, the, the most agile of all of them that mm-hmm. might be able to run up that ladder and take the belt. But knowing that is not happening anymore, let's talk about this fatal four way that we have here and why Nia Jax is going to walk out champion. What do you think, Grant?
1: You had told me that the other day of the record, Tommy, and it was honestly shocked, but I think a lot of people are, are overlooking Nia Jax in this match. She's a rookie. She's inexperienced. It's her first WrestleMania. It's the first WrestleMania of Bayley, too. I think somehow maybe it's just my inner fandom for Bayley. I think she will walk out here just because I want her to walk out at WrestleMania, overcome the odds. And she has to prove, I think, beyond anything else to herself that she can win on her own. I mean, she's beaten Charlotte with Via and Naya from help from Sasha Banks. She has never really won a meaningful match on her own since arriving on Raw. This is her opportunity to do so, which is why I think she'll win. But you make a good case with Naya, though.
0: Well, I think the, the case I make with Naya Jax is that both Sasha Banks, Charlotte Flair, and Bailey have all had very difficult matches against Naya Jax. Um, and. Certainly, Nia Jax has been not only a healthy competitor as far as no injuries uh, sustained going into WrestleMania, but Sasha Banks has had bad knees. Bailey has had the tar beaten out of her by Charlotte so many times. Even though Bailey has won a lot of those matches, it was as the result of needing some external help to conclude those matches from Sasha Banks. Mm-hmm. Sasha certainly has her eyes set on that, on that championship with Bailey. Charlotte is laser focused on the championship and both Sasha and Charlotte truly feel that they are better in ring competitors than Bailey is. So if the three of them are so focused on Bailey's championship because they think they can, you know, it's like taking candy from a baby, essentially taking candy from a Bailey.
1: (laughs) I like it. Then
0: I believe that that is the opportunity that leaves Nia Jax completely ready to take this championship home. Because I think so. Yeah. I, I just think that she's not only physically imposing in there, but because the focus will not be on her Nia Jax is literally looking to just beat three other competitors and that's all she has to do. And she's actually very good at doing that. That's something that she no one can really push her around. None of these other women can really push her around when it came down to it. If she can continue to absorb all that energy, deflect and just wait for her a moment, she's guaranteed to walk out as champion. I'm going to go with Nia Jax on this. Graham, who are you, you going to side with?
1: I think we're also overlooking, kind of forgetting a, a, an important fact here that the Bailey sasha charlotte dynamic that Charlotte in recent weeks, as recently as Monday has been saying that Sasha and Bailey are not good friends, Sasha's only best friends with Bailey to get to that title. They're all involved in this middle school level nonsense. Nia Jax does not could not care less about that garbage. Exactly. She wants the championship. So I think the ball is in her court in that respect. But with this being an elimination match, there could be an advantage for Bayley, Sasha, and Charlotte, three of the four four horsewomen in WWE, to take out Nia first, know that she is not a threat to the championship, and then focus on each other. So matter no matter how it works out, I'll oh. go with Bayley. I know I want her to win. Do I think she will win? It's It's arguable but i'll go with bayley as my pick though. You
0: make a fantastic point about the elimination element to this match and the fact that they're these, these three are considered part of the the Horsewomen of the WWE. Nia does come in without a lot of experience at this level that the the shock of the size and magnitude of the crowd at WrestleMania alone could be an overwhelming moment for Nia Jax and that could easily see her eliminated first so uh you're you're absolutely right maybe I maybe I'm reading too much into the uh dominance Nia Jax has presented before and not taking into account the relationship that Bailey Charlotte and Sasha have in the past uh Charlotte Flair is certainly someone not to be overlooked but since she's a loser and no longer the queen of (laughs) pay-per-views um then i really don't consider her at that level right now um so i think she's going to come in with a lot of flair but is she going to be able to woo the crowd i'm not sure but moving in to uh uh, i don't know which way do you want to go do you want to talk about raw or smackdown
1: We just talked about two Raw matches. Let's go, you know, SmackDown.
0: Let's talk about SmackDown. Let's talk about the SmackDown Live commissioner, Shane McMahon. Shane O'Mac taking on the phenomenal one, AJ Styles. Um, This is obviously due to a a misunderstanding on AJ Styles' part that he was respected in the first place at the WWE for SmackDown Live and uh, working for a company that uh, pretends to give opportunity to superstars only to take them away for political backstage posturing from Daniel Bryan and Shane McMahon. Uh, it hurts me to say that Daniel Bryan is now as much of a pawn in this whole system as, as he once fought against, but he is making all of the same stipulations that worked against him as a competitor. Now he's forcing that onto a phenomenal competitor in AJ Styles. And it's certainly clear to see why AJ's frustrated throwing Shane McMahon's head through a car window might be a little bit overkill, but Here we are, uh, Shay McMahon, AJ Styles, signing a contract this past Tuesday. What did you make of that contract signing?
1: I thought it was quite good, but I think the biggest takeaway from that contract signing was the fact that AJ Styles had said... This is a standard singles match. It's not no holds barred. It's not a street fight. It's not hell in the cell. There's nothing crazy that you can do that will give you the victory. And even when he did that last year, it cost him the match, which I think a lot of people tend to forget. He lost to The Undertaker. Sheen McMahon is a loser. But that being said, uh, with AJ Styles, he thrives in this environment. He is a technical wrestler. He's a high flyer. He can do it all. And when the lights are on bright and it's a standard singles one-on-one match, AJ Styles is the favorite to come out on top. Yeah, of.
0: And, and I'm not even sure why. Uh, if it's just knee-jerk reaction, if it was adrenaline, if if you know, I mean, obviously getting your head smashed through a car window, you probably make you a little foggy upstairs. <laughs> but I, I still just don't understand why, after watching AJ Styles, after drafting AJ Styles to SmackDown Live, after seeing him become the champion, after seeing him beat up John Cena, Dean Ambrose, and literally anybody else that stepped in his way. Shane McMahon believes that he's gonna go into this match and best AJ Styles. I don't. I don't know if Shane has been watching. That's what. That's where I'm at with this. <laughs> I, I literally think that he's going to the bathroom for an extended period of time and reading Forbes articles about Raw in secret, and that's how he keeps up with Raw. He but, must be. Uh Shane McMahon. Uh, I. I do not believe stands a single chance in this match. He's got no chance in hell. I like that a lot. So. Do you, are you in agreement? I it's it's so hard. I want to talk about AJ Styles to death. I think everything he's done this year has been phenomenal. And there's and and he's he's gone from someone that was really antagonistic and and kind of brutal towards the crowd to kind of a like love-hate relationship. Like he gets that they're there. And he's like that's fine. I mean, I get that you're behind me or not or whatever. I'm not here to really impress you. I'm I'm here to be the best most phenomenal wrestler in of all time. And he's just gonna go out there and do that. So what's Shane McMahon's excuse? Is he the best SmackDown line com- commissioner of all time? No, not even close. He's got some great ideas occasionally, but this is not one of them. And whomever is letting him continue with this, Daniel Bryan should have just ripped up that contract and said, uh, "AJ, I'm sorry, you're still fired. Get out of here." <laughs> you know. And I, I think that it's it's that McMahon, it's that that last name right there it sticking is. out. Yep. They can't help but get involved. Ooh. I mean, it, it's, it's just like anybody that's involved in the McMahon management family just must be part of WrestleMania. It's just a sick obsession with this type of success, and it's going to be Shane McMahon's downfall. I, I, Are we looking at a scenario where we're going to see a new SmackDown Live commissioner? And perhaps that should have been part of the contract.
1: <laughs> it should have been. I mean, it could literally be his downfall. I mean, you you mentioned at the start of the show, This elaborate set we have for WrestleMania. Now, I know I said it's a standard singles matchup, but Shane McMahon doesn't care. For me, it doesn't make any sense, for one thing, that if Shane really wants a street fight, he makes the rules on the blue brand. So, I don't know why they didn't add that stipulation, but that aside, if he wanted to jump from the top ring, from the top rope, I'm not talking about from the the ring, in, in the ring, I'm talking about from the ring up top. From what it looks like, they're setting up the WrestleMania stage here, or that roller coaster, or God forbid, whatever happens. Shane might as well just book his next stay in the hospital in Orlando for the day after WrestleMania. He might as well just get a Orlando head start.
0: General get a bed ready,
1: <laughs> <laughs> or medical facility, not not hospital, as the yeah. mans would say. Yes,
0: yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> no, I mean, uh, I think what would have made this match. Um, uh, a little bit tastier, right? Give it a little bit more weight is if Shane was willing to put his commissioner status on the line yep. and then AJ Styles would be working as Daniel Bryan's superior. I mean, that would have been... Absolutely diabolical for AJ Styles, but then that would have put a little bit more pressure on Shane McMahon to win this match and pull something out of his the depths of his knowledge of this business to beat AJ Styles, which I do believe Shane McMahon has a, an interesting perspective on all performers and certainly has watched AJ Styles develop in the WWE from day one. Someone can find a flaw, It might be Shane McMahon because he himself admits that he's a fan of AJ, even to this day. So um, best of luck, Shane, um, and I do mean in nursing that black eye uh, following the match. But uh, let's uh, let's jump back to the uh, the match that I completely uh, threw a stipulation onto that uh, didn't need one. but let's talk about the raw tag team championship, triple threat. Ladder match. Okay, so um, does a ladder need to be involved in this match? Do we need another multi-person match? Yes, we do! Because it's WrestleMania, baby! <laughs> um I, I I don't know how to feel about who's going to come into this match with a little bit more strength than another team, but we have Luke Gallows and Carl Anderson uh, defending their championship against Enzo Amore, Big Cass, and Cesaro and Sheamus. Um... I I don't see a lot of promise for Enzo and Cass coming into this. They're obviously the rookies uh, being thrown into a championship match at WrestleMania like this. Um, Cesaro and Sheamus have just been tighter than ever, though. You know, they really look like the competitors to this championship, but have been undermined constantly by Gallows and Anderson and completely thrown off by Enzo and Cass, who, you know, would seem like pretty easy allies in all of this, but as of recent, not so much. Uh, what, what, What do you take on this match?
1: Well, not only that either. I mean, like you said, Enzo and Cass are the inexperienced duo. You have the club who have two threats at once, and Enzo and Cass and Cesaro and Sheamus. And Cesaro and Sheamus have had that chemistry. They've been on a hot streak recently. Not only that, they're the only two competitors of the six in this match who have any experience in ladder matches whatsoever. Sheamus, a former Money in the Bank winner, Cesaro's been in multiple Money in the Bank ladder matches, Gallows and Anderson, maybe in another company, not from what I'm aware of anyway, have never been in a ladder match. Cass and Enzo are not, by any stretch of the imagination, ladder match specialists. So the ball is not in their court in this matchup. But for some reason, I feel like they might have some sort of advantage in terms of crowd popularity, in terms of the crowd being behind them in this match.
0: And I don't. Th- and, and and you are absolutely right about that. I just don't think that the crowd can play a factor in a ladder match. It just never happened before. You can want and pine and, and, and believe that someone has the skill set to get up there. But it comes down to some some big dudes knocking over ladders just as you have your fingertips around the championship. And then this instant, it's belts. Singu- not singular, plural. Two belts need to come down from the top of there. We've all seen people struggle with just getting one off. You know, to, to, to suggest that it's gonna be easy to get both of those belts, even though it's on like one, you know, carabiner hook now and the the two belts are suspended, it's still that much more awkward to get up high enough to unlatch that and not have someone push you off a ladder to certain peril. And that's why I believe Enzo Amore, you can count him right out of this. The second he gets up to, like, even halfway up that ladder, he is going to be thrown outside of the ring and broken in half, leaving Big Cass all alone to defend himself against Cesaro and Sheamus, who have no love for Big Cass and Enzo right now whatsoever, and Carl Anderson and Gallows, who are just happy to beat up literally anybody that their fist can touch. So, given that, I think we can easily say that uh, Enzo and Cass are the least favored to win in this matchup and don't really have a whole lot of an arsenal coming in. Whereas I think that the real focus here is between C- Cesaro and Sheamus and Gallows and Anderson. Cesaro and Sheamus kind of wronged out of their championship earlier this year. Gallus and Anderson have just kind of been sitting on top of the heap, not really giving anyone opportunity, uh, but they don't work for SmackDown Live, so there's no opportunity on Raw. Uh, on, you know, But clearly championships when you're Gallows and Anderson and and, and Stephanie McMahon likes you, uh, you get to keep your championship for as long as you want. But this at WrestleMania is going to be definitive to see who is the best tag team for the Raw division. Who do you got?
1: I know you said that the least favorite. I'm gonna go Enzo and Cass. Cause who said you need a ladder? I mean, Big Cass is seven foot tall, and you can't teach that. I could see a scenario where he put Enzo, where he puts Enzos on his shoulders, and that's how he wins the championship. When yep. you
0: put it that way, <laughs> I, I, no one has ever seen anything like that. And if they were gonna shock the world at WrestleMania to pull out all stops. It would take antics like that from Enzo and Cass to totally break the mold, do something no one's ever seen before, and win the championship uh, at WrestleMania. I I can't disagree that that's not a huge potential, but it's going to take some very ingenious timing to pull something like that off. I think that Cesaro and Sheamus have been eroding away and have become true tag team competitors and i think it's their teamwork here that is the culmination of of their journey to wrestlemania teamwork is going to define them their cohesiveness coming from a team that absolutely hated each other at its inception and had tag team title gold even still while they were trying to find their footing with each other now they're more focused than ever And I think that Gallows and Anderson have enjoyed a nice championship reign here, but they have been constantly um, embattled by Enzo and Cass and Cesaro and Sheamus. So it's so difficult to not say that Gallows and Anderson don't have, you know, as equal of a chance to walk in there and and take their titles back. But I'm going to have to say that Cesaro and Sheamus take this one. Um, I, I I don't disagree that Big Cass and, <laughs> and Enzo have uh, a trick or two up their sleeve, but I think when it comes down to experience and strength, nobody in that ring can really compete with Cesaro and Sheamus. I mean, Sheamus can take more of a beating than anyone uh, in the WWE, and Cesaro is stronger than Mark Henry. <laughs>
1: That is true. And, he absolutely is. Or,
0: or, or you know, I, I, not not to not to put one on Mark Henry, but I, as strong as Mark Henry, or almost probably one percent less than the world's strongest man.
1: World's Since strongest Swiss. Cesaro, I guess. The world's
0: strongest Swiss man, Cesaro. <laughs> um, the two of them just have uh, more of a resume than anybody here. Um, so I think that I give them a little bit of the experience nod. So I'm going to go with them on that one. But we we still considering we have talked about so much, and this is just all jam-packed with gold uh, left and right, there are still other matches on here that are literally about bad blood. And there's been no more of a conflict that has been on display than the non-sanctioned match that we will see at WrestleMania between Seth Rollins and Triple H. Now, uh, right before the show, we were watching a video on WWE.com of Seth Rollins battling um, a cold, oh, sick, (laughs) he's got the sniffies, um, Seth Rollins is uh, not to mention her knee. Oh 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 yeah, that's right. And he has been completely decimated by Triple H attacking his knee, his 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 repaired, his surgically repaired knee. Um, no mention of that on WWE.com today. Uh, a lot of mention of Seth Rollins, you know, taking some Dayquil and, and having a rough night's sleep. <laughs> but given all of that, knowing now that Seth Rollins is is uh, you know got conjunctivitis or whatever he has. Um, Does this give even more of an advantage to Triple H, the cerebral assassin who's literally now got more working in his favor than going in last year against Roman Reigns?
1: Not even that. I mean, you got to look at the other X factor here with it being a non-sanctioned match. I mean, literally, if you look at every single factor, every single aspect of this match, it belongs to Triple H. Everything you just said with the injury But not only that, with this being a no-disqualification match, you have the possible interference of Samoa Joe, who is conspicuous by his absence on this match card. You have the fact that Triple H has been in non-sanctioned matches before against the likes of Shawn Michaels, the list goes on and on, and he's come out victorious on different occasions. So, Triple H on paper really has the advantage here over Seth Rollins, his former protege.
0: I, I can't, uh, I mean, obviously Seth is fighting Triple H because he's got a score to settle with him. He's told him that, you know, success, he's not whining about success this past Monday. He's not, uh, you know, concerned with, you know, where he's valued or how the history books look at him. Seth Rollins wants to live with himself at the end of the day and, and be the competitor that he feels like he is inside his heart. And that's all very admirable except to someone like Triple H a generation DXer and uh, you know like as as many times as Triple H is you know in his career uh, uh, seemingly on the outside bucked authority he's actually been in cahoots with authority and the authorities that be longer in his career than he was ever in a, against them so to suggest that that Triple H, it relates to where Seth Rollins is coming from, or fighting for passion, fighting for heart. I don't think Triple H in his entire career has ever fought because of passion and heart. He loves the business. You hear that word, business, business, the What's business best for business. What's best for business? Putting money in your pocket. What gets you money? Being champion. Being the boss, being the CEO, the head of whatever, sitting in on conference calls, wanting to do that. And, you know, in this Sports Art, Sports Illustrated article that just came out, Triple H talks about, you know, when he was invited by Vince to sit in on uh, meetings and things that were going on backstage. And it's not like he was getting paid anymore. He just wanted to know more about the business. Why? Because it's basically an internship, Triple H. You took an internship with WWE management and you became a corporate entity within the WWE and guess what because you're salaried they still make you wrestle and they're not going to pay you anymore. So that's that that that's just like any salary job you're going to get out there. Seth Rollins is in the business of being a professional wrestler and he has somebody his boss targeting him to go away, to be extinct and retired from the WWE because when you attack somebody so viciously in an Injured spot, you were not an honorable competitor at all. And I don't see how this reflects positively from a business standpoint on Triple H and his relation with the talent because apparently it is now a well-documented fact that Triple H is a biased ruler in the WWE employing all number of goons, Samoa Joe, Kevin Owens, self-appointing Seth Rollins as champion all the way going back to self-appointing Randy Orton as champion how many times and, and doing what he felt was in quotes, best for business. So, is Triple H really prepared for this match, or has he had to rely on hurting Seth Rollins for the past couple of weeks to make sure that he has an edge?
1: Well, definitely the latter, but we also got to look at the fact that it's been a year, exactly one year since Triple H's last step in the ring on WWE TV when he faced Roman Reigns in the main event of WrestleMania and lost. Rollins, I mean, I know he's been hurt for two months now, but since then he has been determined. He has been focused fighting the likes of Chris Jericho, Kevin Owens, Roman Reigns, Finn Balor. Rollins, despite being hurt, is at the top of his game right now, and he is more focused on not only revenge, but redemption come WrestleMania. For, for hurting him a couple months ago, for betraying him late last year, for not believing him in, in him when Rollins got hurt about two years ago. There's a lot of momentum on Rollins' side, and he has so much to prove in this match.
0: And I, and I, I like that while Rollins is aware of all of those things, it, his, his charge to Triple H this past Monday was not one of, you have wronged me, and now I want my revenge. It was, I've wronged myself by ever believing that this was the path that I should take. Absolutely. And it it seemed like a heavy amount of regret. And I don't think that that is to say that Seth Rollins regrets the actions he took to break out on his own and become his own superstar and his own champion outside of the Shield. I don't think this is. I'm trying to say anything about the Shield reuniting or any of that garbage. But what I am saying is that Seth Rollins chose to become a breakout superstar by... Listening to the Triple H's advice, stabbing his friends in the back, and that using that platform to step out on his own. And and from that moment forward, he has been beholden to somebody else's version of what Seth Rollins' dreams should be and, and what, he, what he should accomplish in order to be successful. And I think that that has diluted his idea of success to the point now where killing the king internally in Seth Rollins' mind, is the redemption to him being his own superstar and will in some way for him only make up for the hurt that he's caused other people because of his actions. And I don't think he can take all that back. I don't think the shield would totally forgive him. I don't think there is a shield. Whether we see one down the line or not, I think it'll be a wink and a nod at best because you can't take back a knife out of your back. There's always going to be a wound. So given all of that, Seth Rollins is certainly fighting for that first step towards redemption. Triple H, just like uh, Shane McMahon, just like anybody tied to that McMahon management corporation, has just inserted him once again in the biggest show of the year. But good thing. Ladies and gentlemen, WrestleMania is free if you do not have the WWE (laughs) Network. So go ahead and knock yourself out and uh, be sure to tell your kids later in life how you didn't have to beg your parents to pay for a near $100 pay-per-view because there's this internet thing now and and it wasn't that way when I grew up and I'm bitter. All right, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we have a a phenom taking on a big dog to figure out who has the yard. And that yard is actually a a pretty uh, relatively small uh, uh, ring with four four, four posts around it. But the Undertaker, the phenom himself, will be taking on the big dog Roman Reigns and uh, this is a match that has kind of been building for, like what, the last three, four weeks-ish since Fastlane.
1: Since Royal Rumble.
0: Oh, you're right. You're right, Graham. Why, why don't you take us back all the way to the Royal Rumble?
1: I mean, let's go back to the Rumble match two, three months ago. Roman Reigns dominating the entire ring. When it came down to Roman and Undertaker face-to-face, Taker had just tossed out Goldberg. Taker was a clear favorite to win that match up until Roman came out at number 30, took him out, said, this is my yard now, and Taker has not forgotten that. He descended into the darkness for about a month and a half. He came back, did not forget about that, and targeted the Big Dog night one, costing him, you know, an entire month's worth, uh, an entire month's worth of sanity. And, tar- and, and the Undertaker has been the only thing on Roman Reigns' mind for the past month and a half now. But beating the Undertaker could really be what, could really be what solidifies the legacy of the Big Dog, Roman Reigns.
0: Now, Roman has made many a claim that he's not only going to beat. The Undertaker, and he just sees him as another competitor. He sees him as another kind of uh, fly-by-nighter. But he he wants to to do one better than mo- what anyone, what Brock Lesnar has done to The Undertaker.
1: Bigger than ending the streak. Bigger really.
0: than ending the streak. What would be bigger than ending the streak? Why, that's ending the reign of The Undertaker at all. It's completely retiring the phenom. What do you think the chances are that we see The Undertaker completely Defeat the, well, be defeated by Roman Reigns to the point of being considering retirement.
1: Quite good. I know a lot of people have said it before. Like I'll, I will be the one in twenty-one and one. Blah blah blah. And um, Brock Lesnar was the only one who can get the job done. But Roman Reigns is at the top of his game right now. And I mean, I know Undertaker is set back challenger after challenger after challenger from Shane McMahon to Bray Wyatt to CM Punk Triple H Shawn Michaels. The list goes on and on and on. But that was when Taker was more powerful than he is right now. We are obviously looking at a way different dead man than we have in many years. So I think going into this matchup, Taker has gotten the better of Roman Reigns from time to time, playing mind games with him on Monday Night Raw this past weekend, digging really a grave for Roman Reigns ahead of their match at WrestleMania. But I do think Taker is just not the same phenom that we've seen in years past. So I got to give the edge to Roman Reigns in that respect.
0: I mean, Roman Reigns uh, beat Triple H. At WrestleMania Roman Reigns uh, had it was was inches away from beating Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania before Seth Rollins stole his opportunity with the money in the bank uh, Roman Reigns uh, has beaten or had a, had a really big impact on almost every major title has gotten his hands on more opportunity than most anybody in the WWE especially in this last year uh, made a huge splash at the Royal Rumble continues to put himself in in a position where he feels on top of the Raw roster, and that's where that's what he's focused on. Whether his sights are currently set at WWE Universal Championship status, that is to be determined at a later point. Um, but certainly, he's had his focus on any of the top competitors in the WWE, Braun Strowman uh, comes to mind especially. But Braun Strowman's a loser, and... Uh, the Undertaker made sure that we all knew that by not only backing him out of the ring with even without even lifting a finger, but then choke slamming him the following week, choke slamming him straight to hell, straight back to the loser line, getting his <laughs> lunch out of a, a paper bag like he does. The Undertaker does have an impact on people that fear him, and I think that that fear gives the Undertaker a little bit of his power. Roman Reigns doesn't appear to be afraid of The Undertaker at all. Talk a little bit about that fear factor and, and why Roman's a little bit more brazen this time around.
1: I mean, Roman Reigns has been here. I mean, he, he, yes, he is a fresher face compared to The Undertaker, but he's been here for five years. I mean, you said it right there, Tom. He's been around for so long. He's faced every big name there is to take on, from Brock Lesnar, from Triple H, to Bray Wyatt, Randy Orton. He has pretty much beaten them all. Seth Rollins, Dean Ambrose, the people that he grew up with in The Shield in the WWE... He does not seem to be faced by The Undertaker the same way that Brock Lesnar was, that CM Punk was, that Triple H was, and everyone else that he's faced in years past. Roman Reigns, he just feels inhuman. We talk about him in the past. I'm not a good guy. I'm not a bad guy. I'm a robot. That I mean, <laughs> in, in this case, it works to his advantage. Yeah. You know?
0: Yeah, I mean, he is, he is, he is just approaching this as another day at work. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, and I'm pretty confident that it's going to go well for me. I mean, the, he's not... That phenom that we have known—he's not the Undertaker that at WrestleMania 25 fighting against Shawn Michaels. He's not that competitor. We're not going to see a a running senton to the outside, you know, uh, uh, floor from the Undertaker here. We're going to see Superman punch, spear, one, two, three. That's where I'm. That 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 is what I assume uh, is written on the wall for the Undertaker. Whether that is enough to retire the Undertaker? I'd I'd say probably around the three to four Superman punch range is probably do the job.
1: <laughs> I would think so. Or, I think there's a pretty good chance. So who do you have? Roman Reigns. I hate to say it. I hate I gotta to say go it. Roman Reigns. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. No, I mean not not to uh, put any disrespect towards the legacy of the Undertaker. He's doing a fine job doing yeah. that himself. Now, two major championship matches remain for us to discuss. Graham, I'm gonna throw it out there again: Raw or SmackDown. Who do you want to go with?
1: Go SmackDown first.
0: All right. We're going with SmackDown first. Uh, show this, uh, A little telling of the presentation of the WWE Championship itself. Is it starting to take a little bit of a backseat to the Universal title? It would be interesting to see the power dynamics between Raw and SmackDown, and specifically these two belts, the WWE Championship and the WWE Universal Championship. But since we're talking about SmackDown, that means we are talking About the eater of worlds, Bray Wyatt taking on the Viper, Randy Orton, to determine, after all is said and done with all of the powers that have been on display, that have been revealed to the WWE Universe, what's it going to take to beat Bray Wyatt? It's going to take all of the power that Randy Orton has harnessed. From the Wyatt compound, from the spirit and the essence of Sister Abigail. And before we jump into whether what we think about this matchup, let's talk about the end of SmackDown Live this past week. Graham, what the hell did we see at the end of SmackDown Live?
1: I have no idea. I could not even begin to guess what we saw on Tuesday night. It left me, I don't know if interested is the right word confused might be a better word, going into this match on Sunday because I'm not really sure what to expect.
0: What did we see? Describe the scene. Set set the the listeners out there, set them up with a a play-by-play of what went down at the end of SmackDown Live this week.
1: A bit of a visual. So it looks like, again, I, I couldn't even begin to tell you I was pretty confused by the end of this, but I think Orton was back at the site where he had burned the remains of Sister Abigail where Bray Wyatt had then appeared the following week and said that sister abigail does not die i mean she's always with me whatever but apparently the physical remains of sister abigail still remained where the house burnt down at you know at the hands of Randy Orton and he had the cross and he stuck it where sister abigail's body was you know claimed to be appeared to be i'm not exactly sure so i guess that was somewhat of what we saw on tuesday
0: yeah so when he stuck This uh, this anti-cross, essentially this this uh, instrument of the occult into the ground that Bray Wyatt has obviously had tucked away. And we've seen glimpses of this this uh, uh, this abomination of an occult device in the background of some things, but never really understood its purpose, if it had one at all. Um, But apparently it's a little bit more than an ornamental piece to this whole puzzle, because as. Randy Orton drove this stake into the ground, into the heart and essence of uh, Sister Abigail. He was surrounded by what appeared to be, and I can only define this in comic book terms, uh, 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 some type of demonic energy that, that clearly is a power that Bray Wyatt has been alluding to this whole time. I mean, we all thought that he was, you know, just a backwoods occult whack job that had beliefs, of power beliefs of supernatural, uh, abilities. And we've seen, you know, a little bit of Bray's control over these powers when he faced the brothers of destruction. Uh, we've seen him take over some of the elements of an arena. Certainly, uh, his, uh, followers, uh, out there in the audience play a part of that energy, but up and until this point, we hadn't really seen any proof of the supernatural in the WWE Bray Wyatt has been keeping this completely hidden from the WWE universe, this entire true supernatural bent to what is happening. And Randy Orton has somehow like, but much like Bray Wyatt did. He gave him the keys to the kingdom. He gave him all the information, everything that Bray Wyatt knew. Randy Orton now knows as the biggest mistake Bray Wyatt could have ever made. Mm-hmm. And now Randy Orton, we have to believe this going forward. Randy Orton is now a master of the supernatural and occult. In the WWE, does this automatically give him a power advantage over Bray Wyatt?
1: Absolutely. I mean, no one has spent more time with Bray Wyatt in the past six months than Randy Orton. He knows Wyatt inside and out more than anyone else in WWE right now. Having that power advantage is really what this match is all about. I know the WWE title is at stake, but really, that championship is a symbol of power in the WWE. Um And, and, and holding that championship you are the most powerful entity in the entire company. And that's why Wyatt wants that title, to take it away from Bray Wyatt, not only to be powerful himself, but to take that power away from the eater of worlds, Bray Wyatt.
0: Absolutely. Now, um, let's talk a little bit about a name we're not seeing anywhere on the card. We're not seeing him in the Battle Royal. We're not seeing him in any other competition at WrestleMania, but he has played a major factor in all of this. Uh, Mr. Eyeballs himself, Luke Harper. Um, what, do you think that Luke Harper is going to play a role in the outcome of this match?
1: I think he could. I don't think he will. I'm going to say Orton walks out the new champion. But I will say this: my bold prediction for the show here today is that if Wyatt does some does does find some way to retain his title in this match, it's not going to be on his own. It's going to be from help. It's going to be with help from Luke Harper. And Eric Rowan, because we saw a bit of it on Tuesday. I know the Orton stuff, we just talked about it. The stuff with Harper kind of got, you know, overlooked, was really kind of forgotten about. But he used those powers, Wyatt did, to, you know, somehow manipulate Luke Harper and beat him, playing those mind games does Luke Harper now realize that he is weak without Bray Wyatt and maybe he goes back to Wyatt and Eric Rowan we haven't seen in a while maybe he resurfaces on Sunday so again I don't think Wyatt will win but if he does it might be with the help of the original Wyatt family we
0: did see Randy Orton detained and restrained by a sheep herd of Wyatt followers uh, very reminiscent of uh, Eric Rowan's uh, facial uh, uh, persuasion I guess Mm. but is Luke Harper if, if 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 Eric Rowan were to show up, would Luke Harper come out to combat that simply to to sh- see Bray Wyatt finally broken from that that spell of of being a champion and being in control of this power? And is Randy Orton a better fit to kind of compete against than what Bray Wyatt has to offer? I'm not sure. Uh, you know uh, what's gonna be best long term for someone like Luke Harper, but Luke Harper seems to be. Seeing more of the like returning to a more normal kind of uh, path certainly looks a little bit uh, more kempt these days um, but I do believe that Randy Orton has a major advantage going into this. Bray Wyatt, uh, the only card up his sleeve would have been the supernatural forces that he commands. But if Randy Orton is in full possession of those now, I want to say that Bray Wyatt is just out of luck on this. And I don't know what that says for his future in the WWE, but certainly Randy Orton has had a long and uh, uh, legacy, if you will, uh, of being a champion in the WWE. And I think this will be no different. But that moves us into the final match of the night, which I assume will be the final match of the night, or the last one we're going to talk about today, the Universal Championship match between Goldberg and the Beast Incarnate Brock Lesnar. Uh, Even this past Monday, Goldberg took out Brock Lesnar with a spear. Basically, the second Brock Lesnar tried to even put an offensive hand in Goldberg's face, What did you make of that encounter, and what do you expect to see this Sunday at WrestleMania 33?
1: Bottom line, Goldberg has got Brock Lesnar's number, and he always has, dating back to 2004, dating back to Survivor Series, the Royal Rumble, Raw on Monday. Goldberg has gotten the better of Brock Lesnar at literally every single turn. But even Goldberg said himself at the same time, he he admitted on the Edge and Christian podcast just recently, he's miserable. But only from training too much to be the Goldberg of old from 20 years ago. Is there such a thing as overtraining for a big match at WrestleMania? Maybe that costs them the championship in the end, as I think it will. That's an interesting
0: point. I mean, there is, uh, uh, there is a spell that Goldberg has been away from this uh, atmosphere and Brock Lesnar has been so laser focused at continuing to be the dominant competitor that he wants to be. So Brock Lesnar certainly does has has every arsenal and every weapon uh, at his disposal here, but he certainly hasn't used a single bit of that or been able to use that against Goldberg so far. Goldberg, as we know, um, is if he can't get the job done in the first five minutes, he's at huge risk of losing. And we know this from his history with WCW. We know this with his, his history with the WWE that time is Goldberg's biggest enemy. And if Brock Lesnar at this point has figured out a way to extend this match, to continue to let Goldberg, uh, uh, exhaust himself, Brock Lesnar will walk out the new universal champion and Goldberg will fall. Do I personally want to see Brock Lesnar beaten under 21 seconds? I think that would just be hysterical. I mean, I don't know how Brock Lesnar recovers from a, a humiliating defeat like that. Um, but it certainly seems, I mean, if you look at the track record, it certainly seems exactly possible. It could be the shortest match in WWE Championship history. What do you What do you make of that?
1: Yeah, I mean, like you said earlier, I don't really think well, it's a matter
0: of... I'll take that one step back. I think Daniel Bryan will always hold... <laughs> the record for being a losing champion in the shortest amount of
1: time, but continue. I think Chavo Guerrero might hold that record, actually. Chavo? Mania 24. Yeah, remember when Keane beat him in like 10, 11 seconds? I know Daniel Bryan was 18 seconds. But It's going it to be tough. It, it, it's gl- yeah. it's going to be
0: tough to, to take that <laughs> crown, but I don't know if Goldberg really needs that. You know, Brock Lesnar yeah. could be the one that falls to Goldberg in 21 seconds or something like that, but...
1: Well, yeah, no, I was going to say, I don't really think it's a matter of what we're going to see. It's a matter of how long we're going to see it for. Could this be a literal 20-second match? I mean, we saw it at Fastlane. We, we saw it Survivor Series. It, there's a pretty good chance we could see a minute-long title main event at WrestleMania. I would not put it past these two guys. But could it be the other way around? Could it be Brock Lesnar avenging those two losses from Mania 20 and from Survivor Series by beating Goldberg in under 60 seconds? Again, a very realistic possibility. I don't know if there's a lot of people that want to see a 30-second main event for WrestleMania, the match that drew the house, but, I mean, again, it could go either way.
0: I I, I think this is how it's going to go. Suplex, 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 F5, 1, 2, 3.
1: Really? Yeah. And what's the time? That That's the real prediction here. How long is the match going to last? I think
0: Goldberg is going i think Brock, Brock Lesnar is completely ready for this. I think Goldberg is going to go for a Spear. Brock Lesnar being the agile first thin, thing in the match thin-legged person that he is first thing in the match I think Brock, Les- Brock Lesnar is WrestleMania he if if there isn't a Mr. WrestleMania next to Shawn Michaels that isn't Brock Lesnar I don't know who is but he I is agree. he's he's a he's a big deal to be in in a WrestleMania match of this caliber and to have this experience with Goldberg I think Brock Lesnar uses those chicken legs jumps right out of the way Goldberg hits his shoulder into the post pulls himself out Suplex, suplex, suplex. Suplex, repeat,
1: suplex, repeat.
0: F5, F5, repeat, one, two,
1: three. I agree. I, it I is think it's very possible go, yeah. that yeah. Goldberg
0: is ready to come That's in and believe this. But then again, if it turns into a grapple lock, if it turns into a series of, of brawler sets and punches and back and forth exchanges, I still don't see Goldberg lasting that long because that is literally his kryptonite, his wrestling. Goldberg is a phenomenal competitor in that first burst. But he, much like the ultimate warrior, spends all of his energy in one shot and then it's gone. And the recovery from that doesn't happen probably for days later. So does Goldberg have a huge disadvantage with all of the success that he has leading into WrestleMania? Did he expect to find himself in this position at WrestleMania? Not necessarily, but he was certainly served up to the Beast right off the bat and has survived the test of that and has taken Brock Lesnar down with ease. So could we see Goldberg retain his Universal Championship, go into the Monday after WrestleMania with that held high over his head? Absolutely. But uh, I think I'd safe to say that Brock Lesnar should, at this point, have found a strategy to win against Goldberg, and I'm going to side with the Beast, Brock Lesnar.
1: I got to agree. I think Brock Lesnar, this is his time to really... I mean, it's, it's weird to call Brock Lesnar the underdog, but he is against Goldberg. He has yet to beat him. He's 0-2, and he's really been embarrassed. Really, there's no other way to put it than embarrassed or humiliated at the hands of Goldberg since Survivor Series. we were dating back to 13 years ago at WrestleMania 20. Uh, but that being said, my prediction is also Brock Lesnar, your new Universal Champion.
0: Absolutely. There has been nothing but... Uh championships on the line this year at Wrestlemania. It is going to be a phenomenal day of wrestling and then we're going to see how things really shape up. There's so much to talk about. The supernatural championships changing hands, multi-person matches determining the future and new direction of who's going to hold on to gold. Wrestlemania season is exciting no matter how it leads up, no matter where we find ourselves, weeks before, days before. It is always surprising when the moment comes and is nothing more exciting than WrestleMania season. And the season is now. We're also expected to get snow this weekend. Fantastic. So, so everyone in Florida will certainly be enjoying themselves much more than us Northerners up here. But we remain vigilant. We will be checking in with you next week on all of the decisions that we made here today, all the predictions that we had for who won and where, and we'll be breaking down the everything and why of what we saw this Sunday at WrestleMania. Graham, final thoughts.
1: I'm looking forward to it. I think this entire show has the real potential to be great. I mean, I think up and down this show, um, there's a lot of show stealers. Like I said, a lot of potential blockbuster bouts on this entire card. One of them are stacked. I mean, that's no no matter how underwhelming or how exciting this road to WrestleMania has been from the Royal Rumble or even before that up to this point, there's a lot of surprising twists and turns that can take place. But you cannot deny the fact this is probably one of, if not the most star-studded WrestleMania card In recent history. So I think I'm really looking forward to the show. And I will say this much before we go off the air. Exciting announcement. Um, Coming to you next week. As we talked about WrestleRant Radio next Thursday. I will be able to offer you. An on-site report. From WrestleMania 33, I will be in Florida for the show this coming weekend. What? So. I'm going to
0: be up here in the snow?
1: <laughs> I just found out about this sh- uh, about the snow a couple hours ago. So after yeah, but when did you able- find
0: out about the show?
1: I found out about the show a while ago. Oh god, I was holding out. I was holding out. Oh, this so. is devastating, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. This is devastating. <laughs> I've been working I, you, brother. I've been working. You
0: I know. I feel completely worked over here. Oh my god, Graham. I I wish you nothing but uh, uh, terribly awesome. Fun times down at WrestleMania 33 in Florida and Orlando. I can't believe that you're going to be there. I'm very excited that we'll be able to break down everything in person. We'll have two entirely different perspectives. Um, Absolutely phenomenal. And and don't forget, ladies and gentlemen, uh, you don't have to worry about stealing WrestleMania. You don't have to worry about stealing the show because it's free. (laughs) Just go on the WWE Network and get WrestleMania for free. Ladies and gentlemen, you've been great. We've been WrestleRant Radio. We'll see you next week.